Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 17th, 2011. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios to download for free where hopefully I'll give you shortcuts to understanding this massive system that you're born into with its many layers and levels and show you how this superstructure of inter interlocking uh, foundations, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and, uh, uh, and ex-politicians too, and prime ministers and presidents, all form a parallel government. And, of course, the whole idea of democracy is a sham as we go through really planned changes. We've been going through it for over 100 years, uh, long before that too, but definitely well-documented for the last 100 years. And lots of them at the very top tell us where they're taking us all as well. And it's not very pleasant. We're living through it. Most folk will adapt and won't notice much. They, they, they are quite happy with television and uh, trivia their whole lives long. And they think that things are just developing along some strange willy-nilly path or crooked and all the rest of it. They're right about the crook, certainly, but that's about all. So anyway, help yourself to the, to the audios. And you'll find lots of links, too, to look up the various articles I talk about. Remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs that I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office. Or you can use uh, PayPal to order. Use the donation button on the com site and follow it up with an email with name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. And straight donations are very, very welcome. And uh, you can also, as I say, use um, uh, the postal or postal orders as well from your post office. International, always, always stress international if you ask for them. Uh, cash is okay too. And across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal to order using the donation button and straight donations again are certainly very, very welcome because this is, this is truly global. We, we're, we're post-national long ago, actually, and uh, we're paying for the whole world to come up to a certain level, which is not too high up the ladder as we plummet down to their level. That's really what it's all about. And I try and document this for you to show you where it's going. And there's so much information out there today to distract everyone, of course. That's called data overload. And we find the big psyops guys, the guys who, who manage your minds for you, who work with television and the Internet, uh, novels, movies, uh, everything basically comes across and past your eyes. Uh, they all work together to make sure that you drift through life, adapting and adapting. And you don't even notice when everything is turned 180 degrees around. Most folk truly don't notice. They seem to think we're, they get ushered actually into thinking we're just uh, drifting along some natural path 
which is so far from the truth because nothing happens even at a national level, never made an international level that doesn't take years to prepare. And that's what it's, uh, even FDR said the same thing. If it happens in government, it was planned that way. And that's truly how things are. So it's a new world order with a new way of living, a planned society. Um, the various Darwins and Galtons, all the relatives, Huxleys, they're all related, by the way, uh, talks about this too. Julian Huxley, who was the first UNESCO CEO at the United Nations, really went overboard, giving out a lot of data on how they train generations of children, just a step closer to the ideal, a step closer with everyone, until eventually they'd have the kind of world that they wanted to. Lots of sex, of course, uh, but no breeding. As long as you don't breed, it's fine. And we'd all be managed like little children by professionals and experts. Well, we're already here. And while we're doing it too, our governments that pretend they're left-wing or right-wing go along on the same path uh, of furthering globalization by war and plunder and at the same time making war on their own people back home. Because with the pay, apparently, as I say, for international corporations to set up bases across the planet. That's really what really foreign aid's all about under many different guises. And they haven't just gone for the end of nation states. Um, remember, too, you've got to look into the United Nations history and the precursor of the United Nations, which was called the League of Nations, to find they've never ever changed their plans where they would be eventually brought up to be a global government, at least for a certain amount of time. And that's where we are today, as they tell presidents to go off to war, and they obey. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. The League of Nations and the United Nations have departments of agriculture, for instance. They have a department for every equivalent department your federal governments have, your national governments, if I even use that obsolete word now. But much bigger departments, too. In fact, the UN has been giving laws out for 40 years or more to each country uh, on every area, and they get signed into the law in your country. They never tell you where it came from, and they're running the world and most most things. During World War II, for instance, uh, uh, governments took over the agricultural supplies of countries involved in the wars, and they'd never really let them go once once it was up, and they punished farmers who wouldn't give more rights away to the government for inspections and that kind of thing. They'd punish you. They wouldn't allow you to sell your milk. And then they'd give you little tidbits, little carrots, which you're awfully good at. And humans always jump at them too. Uh, that they give you tax concessions uh, on purchasing things if you're a farmer, if you just join these little organizations set up by the government. And we've seen so many, but thousands and thousands of small farms across Europe and uh, Canada and the States and elsewhere go down ever since World War II until you're left really with the big agribusinesses. And that was always the purpose of it, that big, big business uh, would go through a process of having corporate farming and they would then form 
the world's food suppliers, and then they'd amalgamate together again under the auspices of the United Nations. And we're going through that today. Most folk don't know it, in fact. Yet understand the language, what they're talking about, and the history of where they wanted to go, written a long time ago. And at the United Nations Department of Agriculture, uh, one of the heads of it, the CEO of it at the time, uh, many years ago, said that uh, farming was too important to be left to farmers. And that's the kind of system they want to bring in. It's a sort of communistic system for the masses uh, run by the fascists at the top. Uh, and they like communism because there's lots of bureaucracies and experts and levels right down to social workers who can run your lives for you. And that's really what you're going into today. Plus you have communitarian areas as well where your community will have to go off eventually to the IMF or the World Bank and borrow money. And then all you in the community uh, will be liable to pay it back. Uh, and you'll really pay, believe you me. It's a new Feudal system, and that's what Carl Quigley said. Now, what is feudalism? That's where there's a few overlords and the rest are peasants. I hope you understand what he's talking about. There's no exaggeration here. And you're post-consumerist as well, and that's been well announced uh, ever since the, the last planned bank crash where all the cash went to money heaven and, and some, some guys got the keys, obviously, but, and then we bailed out the banks again. And Britain just given another 92 billion to bail out uh, uh, some of the banks in Europe. Another 92 billion. It's just just amazing how it goes, isn't it? Anyway, here's an article here about your food. Food's awfully important right now because they're really after the food supply of the planet. Five agribusinesses pretty well own everything that billions of people live on now. That's an awful lot of power, and it shouldn't be in the hands of five companies. So. You find the G20 next week are meeting again on the next step of taking over uh, further the, wor- the world's food supply and bringing on a food crisis. Because, you see, they've planned a food crisis for a long time. And then they'll turn around to all of us and say, it's all your fault, there's too many of you. You see? It's very simple. It's worked before. And, um, but it's not that at all. What they're really after is uh, uh, to take all restrictions of exporting foods and getting you, your tax money, to purchase that food that you're going to export to give to third world countries. That means you're going to have less food at home and the prices are going to go even higher. So that will bring on the crisis. You've got to understand what the, really, the game plan is here. So anyway, it says, um, a deal on steps to curb food price volatility between G20 agricultural ministers next week is reachable but far from guaranteed, French Foreign Minister Bruno Le Maire said on Friday. And then they go through the negotiations, and it'll be tough, a deal's possible, but it might not be, etc., etc. Anyway, it says, the main stumbling blocks at this stage were proposals for more transparency on food supplies, calls for more regulation of derivative markets, because they've got all the food supplies up on the big casino, the world casino, you know, and a proposed limitation of export restrictions for humanitarian aid. That means uh, that they drop all restrictions and they give it as aid, which means we'll have to purchase it to give it away. You understand that? He stressed that France would not make any substantial concessions to an action, uh, an action plan currently under discussion. And then it says um, they're due to adopt an action plan next week of which Reuters obtained uh, a Reuters repeat a draft on Thursday. And the draft ministers mainly agree on purely agricultural issues such as the launch of a database on countries' farm supplies. That's every country on the planet. A research program on wheat and a rapid response forum between member states in case of a food crisis. You understand where it's all going? And then go into the Council on Foreign Relations website 
or Chatham House, as they call it. That's the, that's the parent organization, Royal Institute of International Affairs. And they tell you they've got think tanks working on that for over 16 years now, the coming food crisis. So this is planned, you understand. It's all planned. So the government's taken over everything, you understand, and we're left just at their mercy. And that's, that's how you do it. That is the plan. But don't worry about that, you see. Don't worry about food because... That they've been working hard to find ways to, to make sure you've got enough to eat. If, if we call it food. Mind you, they've already poisoned everything you're eating now, and uh, uh, they know most folk are dying off of cancers, bowel problems galore, uh, and all kinds of lesions in their intestines, which is called, even in young people, because of the GM food they've made all the peasants eat. Now, the elite don't eat that stuff, but they made sure that's all you're going to get. There's not one single government says, no, uh, we're not having that. Eventually, they'll cave in and, and force it down your throats. And then they won't label it either, especially in countries like Canada, where we were the test guinea pigs for 10 years to try this stuff. But don't worry, they're not going to let you completely starve to death. And I actually think of um, Marie Antoinette, you know. Yeah, a lot of great propagandists were at work in the, in the French Revolution to stir up the people. And they always came out with her saying, uh, let the people eat cake, basically, which was not true. It was just something a propagandist uh, made up to get the crowds going. Uh, and guess what we're going to eat? Now, I've called you mushrooms before because that's what we are. We're, we're mushrooms. We're kept in the dark and we're fed you know what. You know, that's that poop, basically. That's what you feed mushrooms if you grow them. Well, this is what you're going to eat, folks, down the road, you see. Uh, because they don't want uh, all that methane coming off cattle and all the rest of it, you see, apparently, except for their own herds, which are private for the elites. Uh, they have exemptions for them. And, uh, and of course, they want to create biofuel or, or return the, the, the wilderness back to what it was, basically, and get rid of farms altogether. For your lot, that is, not their own private farms. So you, and it says it's called Japan, uh, Japan Scientist Synthesizes Meat from Human Feces. Does that make you feel better? We're not, we really are mushrooms now, eh? I can just imagine one of these science, uh, BBC science blogs that they put up there with that blonde woman who's always so happy, no matter what they're talking about, she's so happy, uh, and she puts it across. I can almost hear in my head as I, as I read this. It's been called the poop burger. Japanese scientists have found a way to create artificial meat from sewage containing human feces. You're breathing a sigh of relief now. Somehow this feels like a, a Vonnegut plotline. Population boom equals food shortage. Well, there's no boom, actually. We're, we're dropping, plummeting. It wasn't for immigration would be extinct, apparently. So they keep telling us. The solution is synthesized food from human waste matter. Absurd, yes, but Japanese scientists have actually discovered a way to create edible steaks from human feces. I think that's a mistake, don't you? It says Mitsuyuka. Aikida, a researcher from the Okayama Laboratory, has developed steaks based on proteins from human excrement. Tokyo sewage approached the scientists because of an overabundance of sewage mud. It's awfully like the, uh, the fluoride they put in your water and they put in your toothpaste and a whole bunch of other things. So you're actually getting overdose with it every day. If you read the small print on your toothpaste, it says only so much is allowed per day, but it's in your water too. Anyway... Uh, and and the, the big companies that made aluminum, aluminium, uh, approached government and the medical authorities and dentistry to see if they would put it into pills or something and sell the, the schmucks at the bottom. Uh, and uh, that's what they did. Massive propaganda. And so we're actually using their waste. You used to, to, used to pay to get that disposed of because it's classed as a poison. 
So anyway, it's the same kind of thing here. Tokyo Sewage approached the science with an overabundance of sewage mud. They asked him to explore the possible uses of the sewage, and Ikeda found that the mud contained a great deal of protein because of all the bacteria. The researchers then extracted those proteins, combined them with a reaction enhancer, that sounds awfully good, an enhancer, eh? and put it in an exploder, sounds very scientific, so you should be impressed, which created the artificial steak. The meat is 63% protein, 25% carbohydrate, 3% lipids, and 9% minerals. The researchers colored the poop meat red with food coloring and enhanced the flavor with soy protein. That's to make sure you're completely sterile. Initial tests of people saying it even tastes like beef. Uh, yeah. It says, um, in Habitat notes that the meatpacking industry causes 18% of our greenhouse gas emissions. See, here you go into this whole Agenda 21 from the United Nations, the agenda for the 21st century, you see. So they've got to get rid of meat altogether. I keep telling you that. They've said it's going to be a vegetarian system only, and apart from the poop, you know. Livestock also consumes huge amounts of resources and space and efforts to, weed, to feed ourselves, as well as the controversy over cruelty to animals. Oh, Akira's recycled poop burger would reduce waste and emissions, not to mention obliterating Dante's circle for gluttons. Is to make soup with this stuff float? Just a, just a thought. And I'm back after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix and a lot of other stuff, too. And we're talking about Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century. You've been going through the changes already, by the way, since 9-11. That was part of it, actually, to kick it all off, because perpetual war and perpetual war on society as well, until society is totally reshaped and mushed into its proper shape. And uh, there's a site I'm going to put up tonight, along with uh, maybe the government site as well, or the United Nations site, but this one here gives you Agenda 21 in an easy lesson. And p- people really are losing their ability to concentrate today because they, they just consume data, 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 and most of it's irrelevant. They can't remember much after it. So this is for those who who want it short and sweet. It says, and it goes through sustainable development. What is sustainable development? It says, according to its authors, the objective of sustainable development is to integrate economic, social, and environmental policies in order to achieve reduced consumption. Remember, now you're called post-consumerist since the last bank crash. It's all planned. See, this came long before the, the bank crash. Social equity, and that means literally they'll have to put chains on people who are a bit fitter than people who are not and put weights on them, just like that movie I mentioned before. I might put the link up again tonight. And the preservation and restoration of biodiversity, that's the, that's the, actually that will come up again next year when Maurice Strong heads the Earth Summit Part 2. Biodiversity means that you have animal corridors that are allowed into neighborhoods, including the the pumas, by the way, in Florida, and stuff like that. Rewelding, the rewelding, the the, the countries, while we're still alive, they're rewelding them uh, as we start dying off, basically, because nobody's having children. Sustainableists insist that every societal decision be based on environmental impact, focusing on three components, global land use, that's your, all your farming and everything, uh, and where you live. Global education, that's your indoctrination and propaganda. And global population control and reduction, that's a big, big part of it. And you're going to hear more and more of that as you try and convince uh, the victims to sterilize themselves. That's part of it too. Yeah, I would always blame you. 
understand, they don't really, it's nothing to do with what they're, they're saying. What they're really after is a world for their own selves and their own offspring to inhabit without all of us here in, in the near future. That's what it's all about. I hope you understand that. And these are all those fear tactics to terrify you. Then social equity, social injustice. Social justice is described as a right and opportunity for all people to benefit equally from the resources afforded us by society and environment. Redistribution of wealth, that's all communist manifesto stuff. It's right in Agenda 21 from the United Nations. Private property is a social injustice since not everyone can build wealth from it. National sovereignty is a social injustice. Universal health care is a social injustice, all part of Agenda 21 policy. Economic prosperity, public-private partnerships, that's where the public pay for all the big boys to have big roads and big systems built, and, and, and we pay for its upkeep and they take all the profit. Special dealings between government and certain chosen corporations which get tax breaks, grants, and the government's power of eminent domain, eminent domain to implement sustainable policy, government-sanctioned monopolies. That's really what it is. That's, that's what they talk about, sanctioned monopolies. Uh, local sustainable development policies, and under that comes smart growth, wildlands project, resilient cities, that's where they cram you into the slum areas for the next 40 years as we die off. That's all part of the agenda, folks. Regional visioning projects, STAR, S-T-A-R, sustainable communities, green jobs, that's where you, you work in fungus, I guess, uh, green building codes, going green alternative energy, local visioning, facilitators, these are the guys who con you into agreeing to go along with it all, regional planning, historic preservation, conservation easements, development rights, sustainable farming, comprehensive planning, growth management, and consensus. They must always get consensus uh, so they can say, well, we told you, you went along with it. It's like voting. Well, you voted me in. I, you know, I didn't tell you I wasn't going to take you off to war and kill half of you off. And then it says, who is behind it? The ICLEI, Local Governments for Sustainability, uh, formerly International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. Communities pay ICLEI dues to provide local community plans. In Britain, it's communitarianism, they call it there, as they pretend to decentralize governments and give you local commissars to run your little community. And by the way, uh, they can sell off your local community when you're in debt. I hope you realize that. That's land and all. And you, you own the land too. <laughs> Uh, software training, etc. Additional groups include American Planning Council, the Renaissance Planning Group, International City County Management Group, aided by U.S. Mayor's Conference. You've got, you've got the Mayor's Conference, you've got international mayors as well, associations belonging to the United Nations. National Governors Association, National League of Cities, National Association of County Administrators, and many more private organizations and official government agencies. Foundation and government grants drive the process. So your tax money drives your own demise. I hope you realize that. Where did it originate? The term sustainable development was first introduced to the world in pages uh, uh, of a 1987 report. 1987. It was called Our Common Future produced by the United Nations World Commission on Environmental and Development, authored by Gro Harlem Brutland, VP of the World Socialist Party. I hope you understand why they're using socialism. You know, the fascists use socialism. The term was first offered as official United Nations policy in 1992 in a document called United Nations Sustainable Development Agenda 21, issued at the United Nations Earth Summit today referred to simply as Agenda 21, and that they are summits of private NGO run by Maurice Strong. 
of Canada were all ashamed to say. And I'll read some more of this when I come back because it's very important to understand what all these little bits of news you get are really all about because the media ain't going to tell you. Back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Now, Agenda 21 is agenda for the 21st century. It's only when you understand that will you understand all the bits that come into your newspapers on various topics, because the media doesn't explain things to you. It's not meant to. They want to keep you uh, really disorientated and make you think that everything's irrelevant to each other. But they're not. They're all connected to each other, all these little items. What gives Agenda 21 the ruling authority? It's Agenda for the 21st century. It says, uh, more than 178 nations adopted Agenda 21 as official policy during a signing ceremony at the Earth Summit. Now, it's a, Earth Summit is a private, the, the United Nations are a private organization. Hope you understand that. Maurice Strong works with private organizations. He's never been elected to anything by the public. And here he is, on behalf of his master, of course, who picks him up. Uh, presenting this, this charter to, to all the countries, and they all sign it into law. Why do they all sign it? Because, you see, they're told to. Every president and prime minister is select, pre-selected and told to go along with all of these United Nations goals. I hope you understand that. And it says, um, U.S. President George H.W. Bush signed a document for the U.S. and signing each nation pledge to adopt the goals of Agenda 21. In 1995, President Bill Clinton, in compliance with the Agenda 21, signed Executive Order 12858 to create the President's Council on Sustainable Development in order to harmonize U.S. environmental policy with United Nations directives as outlined in Agenda 21. The executive order directed all agencies of the federal government to work with state and local community governments in a joint effort to reinvent government. Remember that term? It was in the papers, reinvent government using the guidelines outlined in Agenda 21. A result with the assistance of groups like the ICLEI, sustainable development is now emerging as government policy in every town, country, and state in the nation. It's across the whole planet, folks. We have it in every country. Revealing quotes from the planners. This is what it says. Agenda 21 proposes an array of actions which are intended to be implemented by every person on earth. Every person on earth. So those folk who are not persons, it doesn't apply to you. It calls for specific changes in all the activities of all people. All people. Effective execution of Agenda 21 will require a profound reorientation of all humans. They're doing that now through the school system. Unlike anything the world has ever experienced. Agenda 21, the Earth Summit Strategy to Save Our Planet. You can get that from Earth Press, 1993 it was published. And it says, and it goes on to say this, um, the realities of life on our planet dictate that continued economic development as we know it cannot be sustained. That sustainable development is the call it. That's why you're now post-consumerist. And if they go into austerity, that's, see what ties together? Huh? 
Sustainable Development, therefore, is a program of action for local and global economic reform, a program that has yet to be fully defined. The Local Agenda 21 Planning Guide, published by the ICLEI in 1996. It's been defined now, folks. No, no one fully understands how or even if sustainable development can be achieved. However, there's growing consensus it must be accomplished at the local level if it's ever to be achieved on a global basis. The local Agenda 21 Planning Guide, published by uh, the ICLEI in 1996. Agenda 21 and private property land cannot be treated as an ordinary asset controlled by individuals and subject to the pressures and inefficiency of the market. Private land ownership is also a principal instrument of accumulation and concentration of wealth, therefore contributes to social injustice. And that was from the the report from the 1976 United Nations Habitat One Conference. Private land use decisions are often driven by strong economic incentives that result in several ecological and aesthetic consequences. The key to overcoming it is through public policy. That was a report from the President's Council on Sustainable Development, page 112. Current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake. I told you you're going to be vegetarian. That's why Toffler put it out in his third way book. Use of fossil fuels. Uh, appliances, home and work, air conditioning, that's electricity, and suburban housing are not sustainable. That was Mr. Maurice Strong, who was Secretary of the General, uh, Secretary General of the United Nations Air Summit in 1992. And then reinvention of government says, we need a new collaborative decision process that leads to better decisions, more rapid change, and more sensible use of human, natural, and financial resources. What is resources to these characters at the top? In achieving our goals, that was a report from the President's Council on Sustainable Development. Individual rights will have to take a back seat to the collective. Collectivism, look it up. That was Harvey Reuven, Vice Chairman, ICLEI. That was the Wildlands Project in the United Nations. We must make this place an insecure and inhospitable place for capitalists and their projects. We must reclaim the roads and ploughed lands, halt dam construction, tear down existing dams, free shackled rivers and return to wilderness millions of tens of millions of acres uh, presently settled land. That was Dave Foreman from Earth First. They love the earth, they just hate people except their own little clique. What is not sustainable? Ski runs, grazing of livestock, ploughing of soil, building fences, industry, single-family homes, paves and tarred roads, logging activities, dams and reservoirs power line construction, and economic systems that fail to set proper value on the environment. That was from the United Nations Biodiversity Assessment Report. And the next part is Hyde Agenda 21, uh, United Nations Roots from the People. It says this, participating in a UN-advocated planning process would very likely bring out many of the conspiracy fixated groups and individuals in our society. I read this on the air and then they changed the name of it after I read it because they don't want the public to know about it. So this segment of our society who fear one world government and a United Nations invasion of the United States through which our individual freedom would be stripped away would actively work to defeat any elected official who joined the conspiracy by undertaking LA 21. So we call our process something else. I kept talking about Agenda 21, so they changed the term, such as comprehensive planning, growth management, or smart growth. Smart growth, folks, is Agenda 21. So I'll put this up tonight along with the whole lot for those who still got a brain left 
to, who like to plod through things. Very few folk have the attention span now because they're bombarded. Their minds have been altered by the computer and internet. And, uh, the, and they literally get an attention deficit via the internet. Planned that way. Neuroscientists work on the internet to make sure that you go this way and you can't retain things. So I'll try and get the whole lot up there too, along with this particular one, and you can take the easy one or the plow through the long one. It's up to yourselves. I mentioned yesterday about the, the group that supposedly hacks a whole bunch of governments and CIA and so on. I said, I wonder if it's real or not. You don't know, do you? And I, I said, I wonder if this is just something to make, to go to the next step with the internet. And, um, it seems like it will be, because here's NSA, the National Security Agency, allies with Internet carriers to thwart cyber attacks against defense firms, it says. So it's, a, it's an article which tells you now that all uh, of, of the, the, the organizations that work with Internet, all the servers and so on, literally are strapped uh, at the hip. They're joined at the hip with the NSA now because of hackers or, or supposed hackers. So there you go. I'll put this article up and you can read it for yourselves. And I was, it was always intended to go this way. It's not there to amuse you. Not its real purpose. And then, who's going to be in charge of all the United Nations? Who can put up a blog? Who can't put up a blog? And who can say something? Who can't say something? Well, here's from, from Europe. Internet freedom is a matter for the United Nations. They want, the United Nations want to take it over. The Council of Europe's Head of Human Rights, and you know that's the opposite. If you understand what I've just read, there were Agenda 21 in the United Nations. It's very Orwellian. Head of Human Rights say privacy and free speech are global issues, and the United Nations should look at them. Should look at them. The United Nations should set up a commission to look at the conflicts between privacy and freedom of expression on the Internet because the issue is global, the Council of Europe's Head of Human Rights has urged. Attending a debate on media freedom organized by the anti-censorship organization Article, 20, uh, Article 19, Thomas Hammerberg, the Council of Europe's Commissioner for Human Rights, said politicians need to become more engaged in the problem. Now, who do they want in charge of it? UNESCO, the one that's, uh, that Julian Huxley, uh, who was all for aborting most children on the planet before they're born. I mean, I mean most folks. He actually said it in his books. He's the guy who said, we'll bring in a society where they can rut like rabbits, massive promiscuity, but no breeding, and they'll never bond if they have lots of partners. He said this, and I read it on the air from his own book, UNESCO. And that they're the ones who make sure all children across the world have, have the same indoctrination. UNESCO, he thought, had dodged responsibility, and its interests had proved disappointing since it is technically the relevant legal United Nations body. In contrast, Hammerberg praised the work of the UN Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Expression, the Guatemalan lawyer Frank LaRue, who earlier this month warned that fearful governments were increasingly restricting the free flow of information online. So they want to take it over, and believe me, when they do, they'll be further restricted because that's what the United Nations is all about. They're so politically correct and communistic, it puts the Soviet system to shame. Now, there's some callers on the line, and I'll take Noah from Washington if he's there. Hello, Noah. Hello? Hey, Alan. Yes. How you doing? Not too bad. Yeah, man, I'm just sitting here in my window looking at some of this weather we've been having for the last uh, couple months here. Yep. It's uh, just 
totally different from what I'm used to throughout in the rest of my life. Yes. Uh, you know, not only that, but, you know, we, we always got some crazy stuff going on here in D.C., up in the sky. You know, you, you can hear it uh, virtually every night, usually at night, just, uh, you know, like crazy uh, aircraft, like uh, sonic booms and stuff, uh, yeah. doing all kinds of stuff up in the sky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we know they have blimps up there uh, spying on us, too, and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's we're living now in science fiction. But the thing is, they don't really hide it. They, they do print it here and there, and they did say they'd own the weather, and they certainly own the weather. We know that. Uh, we'll never see uh, the old system again, where you could actually look at the stars in the middle of winter when it was nice and cold and, and should be clear. And here's this fuzzy film with only a few visible brighter stars. That's how it's been for the last few years now, since they started the, the daily spraying across the planet. Geoengineering has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Yep. And uh, another thing I wanted to comment on is uh, a part of the, the the agenda that I haven't heard anyone else mention, but it's this whole thing regarding bullying. Suddenly, uh, bullying is a, a major, major topic being discussed on the media, uh, and it's entered the, I guess, the public discourse or, you know, our, our culture now with a, a new word invented, bully side. So, you know, you bully someone, uh, I guess if they end up killing themselves, it's, it's like you murdered them or something. Yes. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, we've all seen these uh, uh, laws, cyber laws against uh, cyber bullying and all these, these new stuff, and it just seems obvious to me like it's, uh, it's a way to completely control people's behavior, even their speech online. Yeah, whenever you see an agenda come across mainstream, all, across all the stations at the same time, and it's not just in one country, it's happening generally across lots of countries at the same time, uh, that is part of the agenda. Uh, they started with zero tolerance, remember, even, even in the schools, uh, zero tolerance, and now it's into this next thing about bullying uh, and, and psychological bullying from a distance in cyberspace and all the rest of it. So you'll have to be authorized, psychologically checked, to make sure you're politically correct and totally indoctrinated. Not quite sure what gender you are before you'll be able to get up there on the on the and on the internet. I'm not kidding you. That's that will come. That will come. Yeah, yeah. You will be checked before you're allowed that privilege. Understand that privilege, that great privilege, of using a computer and getting on the net. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're he- we're heading for. No doubt about it. Step by step by step, that will come. And they'll give you lots of scary stories of people who've, uh, uh, pedophiles, of course, they'll bring that to the fore again, who, who've managed to find their victims through the Internet and all this kind of stuff to, 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 mix, to, to sort of justify why they have to have psychological checks on every single person who gets the privilege, again, of using the Internet. Yeah. So that's what it's about. And uh, it's just the constant... Uh Inserting sex in every television show and, and movie, even if it has nothing to do with, you know, the, what's going on in the movie or the of TV course. show. Of course. It's just, yeah. it's just absurd to the point it, where it is like, you know, at a, at a certain point, maybe in the 80s and 90s, it, you know, it was actually related to the TV show, at least, it's the plot. And now it's just, it's just taught, you know, any excuse to put it in there. Yes. And that's the whole thing, too. People, people have no idea uh, that every movie they watch has predictive programming in it. 
because you get grants from the government to Hollywood all the time uh, for, for putting in all the political correct updates in them. And uh, little plot, even, even if it's, it's nothing to do with the major story, which is generally about someone who finds something out and gets chased all through a city smashing cars. Will he escape? Won't he escape? Will he sleep with her at the end or not? You know, that kind of stuff. But then slip all the other stuff in between it to make sure you get the, the political correct updates about how you should feel about things. And that's it's very simple. Uh, to be a novelist today in Canada, you live pretty well because you, get, you live on grants from the government just slip in all these things, the list that they give you, into the story, and you're guaranteed a sale. Yeah. Yeah. Same in Britain, same, same everywhere else. Yeah. Your, your government pays them to be radical. You cannot get it if you don't want to be radical, but if you put radical changes in, the government will literally give you a grant. That's the law. Yeah. That's the real world we're living in. But th- thanks for calling, and I'll try I'll try the next one. And we've got uh, Justin from Florida there. Are you there, Justin? Are you there, Alan? Hello? Hello. Yes. Hey. Uh, you know, that last guy was talking about, you know, the TV and whatnot. And you're right. I mean, I've known from, uh, I mean, I want to say when I was about 11 or 12, I noticed things in movies. It's just like it's not the whole story, you know. I mean, there's more to, like, there's more to this than what they're showing us. Yep. And, like, they sneak in little tidbits of truth. Like, I was watching a TV show the other day, and one of the characters, you know, he's like this guy who's kind of against the government, and he's kind of the weirdo in the show. Yep. And he goes, yo, man, the three branches of government are military, corporate, and uh, 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 and Hollywood. Yeah, yes, it's, like yes. it's plain as day. It's right there. People just go, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. It's, uh, but that's the truth. It's right there. It, it is the truth. It's one of the most essential arms, actually, of, of government today. It has been for a long time. And there's, a, there's quite a few books on Hollywood, uh, Hollywood's connection to the government to do with propaganda uh, from even before World War II, uh, which is well worth reading. But hold on, we'll come back after this break. We're back cutting through the matrix and, and talking to Justin, who's just talking about how they keep putting sex and everything else into the, the movies. It isn't just sex now. It's all the, 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 the upgrades to sex and variations between genders and, and all the rest of it. That's all promoted and funded again, too, because that is the agenda. And, uh, and, and you can't criticize it because it's incorrect to criticize anything that's now politically correct. And so you've been indoctrinated your whole life long, and most folk don't know that. So that means from birth to death. You've been indoctrinated, upgraded for all the new norms, and they keep changing the norms and more new norms as you go along. And it doesn't happen by itself. It happens by everyone being on boards and all media, uh, fiction, non-fiction, uh, uh, news blurbs and exposés on television is all working together towards the same goals. And that's how we are managed, very, very simply. And one of the, I said last night, uh, 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 one of the dictators in, the, in South America said we had the best uh, military helping us. That was the U.S. To, to take over. He's a dictator. 
And he says, we also had the, uh, the other military, which was the television set. Yeah. He says, we couldn't fail. <laughs> so that's how it's done. That's how it's done. Yeah. And folk think they're being entertained, you know. Yeah. But, but thanks for calling, and I'll try and, and get some people well, on the well, line. Uh, I want to ask you another question. If you're quick, yeah. Okay. Um, like, I know, um, I got a question about religion, actually. Um, I was raised a fundamental Baptist. Uh-huh. And, I mean, the whole time I was in it, like, I, I could kind of, you know, I'm just, I could uh, uh, sense that there was something wrong with it in a way. But mm-hmm. I'm a little confused about the Jesus character. Like, why did they create him? Because he's, like, I know there's a lot of hidden meanings in what he said, but, like, his overall idea was kind of against the system, you know. I mean, like, he told people like, to do good to one another and help people, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, why did they create him? Because he just kind of wasn't, you know, on board with their agenda nowadays, that's for sure. Even back Well, then. there's no doubt there was a, somebody, there was somebody who took that role. However, uh, the organization that took it over was already a, a power. It was the Roman Empire. And they took it over, and like all empires, which are really political and economic in function, they will use whatever they, they can use to keep the people um, passive, and that's really what they promoted, be passive, turn the other cheek, uh, instead of saying this guy, this guy stood up to the system and he was killed for it, which was the, the truth. <laughs> they, they get, you understand, they've utterly turned it 180 degrees around. I mean, uh, you, you have someone who definitely did stand up to the banking system and threw the money changers out. This wasn't just a, a few guys earning extra pocket money. This was an international exchange. Uh, for, they came from all over the, the ancient world to this temple every day. And uh, so that to exchange the money to get into the temple, you couldn't use unholy or, or non-kosher money. So there was a big profit to be made off it. So he stood up there and kicked them out. And he also stood up to the rabbis who had the, the people under so many laws that they, were, that they could hardly get through their day with, with all these ritualistic laws to fulfill and so on. So he stood up to them and he's trying to tell the public that really you're free and you can talk to your God yourself. Uh, but he paid the penalty for, for standing up to power, authority, and money. And uh, unfortunately, the power uh, that already was an empire took him over eventually uh, with Constantine. And they, they used it to their own advantage, to, again, to control the public and teach you to be meek and mild. But the actual guy himself was obviously willing to stand up, and he died for it. He was not meek and mild. He could have recanted at any time. He didn't. But that's what happens. Truth is always reversed in this world where power and money control. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. And for those callers I couldn't get tonight, maybe call back again next Monday. Thanks very much. <laughs>